0: It's more than a pleasure to have back here on the only true democracy in talk radio, the president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, the AAM. He is Scott and Paul. And by the way, the AAM is a partnership by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers Union. For years, Scott and the AAM have worked to make American manufacturing a top-of-mind issue for voters, and if you look at polls, they're succeeding. And they've done this with our leaders on a national level through effective advocacy, innovative research, and a savvy PR strategy. More than a pleasure to have back on the show Scott Paul. Hey, Scott, happy Tuesday. I hope you enjoyed a long Labor Day weekend.
1: Likewise, I was actually coastal, headed out to California and back in in one weekend uh, but for for a good cause. But it's great to be back at work, and we're in the we're in the home stretch now.
0: Absolutely, uh, a couple of things. First, I just want to say it is a whole different ballgame for me now that I have sat face to face with you in person when we talk now. I don't know about you; it's just like it was know, so like, much fun. Yeah, it, I, was, I just I don't know. It just changes the whole mental imagery thing, you know. Um, yesterday was uh, Labor Day. And, uh, and I wanted to say, um, congratulations, an awesome uh, piece for the Huffington Post. Uh, you know, I blog for them, and it's just awesome to see you uh, on there as one of my fellow bloggers. Um, you wrote a blog that this day, some well earned respect for factory workers. And obviously, you were talking about yesterday, um, you know, Labor Day. And I, I want you to talk about obviously, Labor Day and your position with the AAM and what the AAM does uh, prompted you uh, to write this. But also in your piece, you talk about that workers, laborers, get a lot of love from politicians, especially when it comes time for photo op. You know, it's an election year. They want their votes. And, 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 and by the way, um, the, you know, people forget that unions and laborers, the middle class, manufacturing wasn't always a political issue, Right. Oh that's
1: right it was kind of a bedrock of our economy I don't want to say it was taken for granted but everyone you know wanted it to succeed and be successful and it wasn't considered this kind of uh, like oh well, that's what the that's what the union guys care about you know it was it was really uh, considered an integral part of our not only our economy but I think really our existence as a country and you know there was a time when the largest manufacturers kind of defined who we were right General Motors uh, and, and and what have you. And so uh, I, I'm not one who wants to go back and look at nostalgia and, and, and you know, there are a lot of things that weren't great about uh, the economy in the 50s either, but you know, I, I think we lose sight of some of what made us great from the very fact that unions, working people, gave us the weekends and the ability to enjoy holidays like this to the the important contribution that people who work with their hands... Uh, as well as with their minds, have made to the foundation of our economy for many generations now. And there are some who just want to use it now as a talking point. Uh, there are others, as you said, Leslie, we we'll love to use uh, these workers at a prop, uh, but but they deserve our support. you know we've we've made a big bet. On the success of the housing market, the success of Wall Street, uh, but you know, it's our it's our factories, it's our hard-hatted workers, uh, as Leo Girard likes to say, the folks who uh, shower after they come home from work, not before they go ah. to work, uh, that that are that deserve our respect and deserve our support, uh, and not just during kind of the uh, the, the, the sprint the finish uh, of the election.
0: Absolutely. You know, in your piece, I, I always learn when I have you on, and I learned from this piece, everything you've ever written, I have, and this is no exception. Um Uh, You know, I knew that, you know, our manufacturers produce most of our exports, Uh, but, you know, we don't think of engineers and scientists that perform roughly two-thirds of private sector R&D that you wrote about in your piece and how 90% of new patents are produced. Yet I was surprised at how small the percentage of the U.S. workforce um, is when it comes to American manufacturing. Uh, Scott, can you share that percentage, that number, and give us an idea of a comparison of, of maybe some decades ago?
1: yeah well that's that 's a really good question and so uh you know decades ago uh, you know in, in back in the in the post war economy of the fifties when when manufacturing uh may have been at its height as a percentage of our economy uh there were at some point in time probably you know forty percent of Americans who had a job uh it was directly and have linked to manufacturing, so that's you know that you got a neighbor on either side. One of them likely worked in manufacturing. If if you didn't, um, and that number is much smaller now. We're about twelve percent of the economy. Uh, and when you look at the actual factory workers, the the people who do the work in the the production work in the factories, it's about seven percent of our workforce overall. It's about eleven uh, percent of our workforce. Uh, and look, some of this is because of robots, automation, productivity, and so. Uh, these aren't terrible reasons uh, why it's a shrinking percentage, but some of it's because we've lost a lot of jobs overseas, too, uh, and, and we haven't fought uh, to either keep those jobs here uh, or, or to try to uh, get them back or fight for new ones. Uh, and thats I think that's the piece of it uh, that really concerns me.
0: Uh, no question about that. Um, I also want to talk about uh – You know, you talked about workers deserve, and I agree, uh, more than lip service. Um, But I I, I also want to remind people of some things that you wrote about in your piece. Talk to us about the support of jobs in a community, uh, uh, supporting more jobs than any major service sector occupation, and also how wages um, are even uh, better paid than their non-college educated peers and other occupations and what that means, what that means for a community and for like small business owners in, in, in a local area.
1: Yeah, Leslie, these are really, these are really good points. And I, I, I want to first say, preface the conversation by, look, I think all work has dignity and deserves respect. Uh, and so I'm not in any way casting aspersions on folks who work in the service sector, or who work in retail, or who work in fast food, or anything like that. Uh, but uh, it's undeniable. That, uh, you know, a worker in manufacturing makes an, an outsized contribution uh, to the economy. Uh, and, and it's per, for precisely this, the same reasons as, as, as you indicated. One is the type of work they're doing means that there's going to be something called a supply chain. It's going to involve logistics, which trucks coming in and out of the factory, uh, and it's, it's going to involve not only the production workers, but the engineers, the scientists, the accountants, all of that uh, wrapped into it. And, and when you uh, think about the average manufacturing job, uh, it probably supports uh, somewhere uh, you know, between between three, four, five jobs uh, in the rest of our economy, and th- that number is even higher for the really high-value-added types of manufacturing, like a- automobile production uh, and-, and airplane production. Now, the other reason uh, that you touched on are-, are wages, and I think this is also very important. You know, A lot of People like to talk about uh, going to college, getting a four-year college degree uh, as being the pathway to success for for, uh, Americans. And and look, for for some people, that is undoubtedly true. Uh, But for people who don't get a college degree, uh, a four-year college degree, and by the way, that's that's most of Americans, uh, manufacturing is one of the... Very few pathways uh, to a good paying job and manufacturing wages uh, depending on the type of work that you're doing uh, can average uh, anywhere uh, from five or six percent and, and sometimes up to nineteen or twenty percent uh, better than uh, other similar types of jobs that don't necessarily provide a need a four-year college degree uh, to, to qualify for them and so it is a you know the skills that you learn uh, and can put to work in a factory uh, are can pay dividends for you and it's not because these workers are overpaid it's because they're making a real contribution they're adding value to a product uh, their skills their know-how are necessary uh, to that and so that's that's what they're compensated for you want a welder who knows what he or she is doing you know you want a machinist uh, who knows mathematics and can enter numerical code into a very complex machine, and so they're compensated for that. But it's a, uh, I celebrate that. I think that's awesome because these are very noble. Ob- ob- uh, occupations at the end of the day can see the fruits of your labor. And, look, I like going to restaurants and bars, uh, and I'm glad that waitresses and bartenders and, and, and everybody else has those jobs, uh, but it is just undeniably true that the, that the contribution that, that manufacturing makes uh, to the rest of the economy is unmatched uh, in, in the service sector uh, in terms of its bang for the buck.
0: No question. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue talking about some points in uh, Scott's great new Huffington Post piece entitled This Day, Some Well-Earned Respect for Factory Workers, obviously talking about Labor Day. We're also going to talk about what workers really want, and we're going to talk about what's being stressed by candidates as we get closer what is it, 62 days now, 61 days to election day? And we'll talk about that jobs report. All coming up with Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Follow him on Twitter at Scott Paul, AAM. The website is AmericanManufacturing.org. More after this. Pick up the phone and join us with questions. Get in line now, 8886 Leslie, 888 653 7543. Back in a moment. Back with Scott Paul, president of AAM, and we're talking about a great piece that he wrote regarding manufacturing and Labor Day and how they deserve uh, respect. Um, I, I want to talk about a couple more things in, or one or two more things in your piece, and then move on to some other uh, areas as well, uh, Scott. One of the things, and I love your line here: if you say you love American workers, don't blame them for our problems. Do you find that not just in this election year, but in the past few election cycles um, that, you know, workers, uh, specifically union workers and unions are blamed for our problems? And there's absolutely just no evidence of uh, that blame uh, being, you know, appropriately assigned to this group of hardworking individuals.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that's really stunning to me, Leslie. And I, I, I'm fortunate to work with a group that includes both business and labor, and they have an incredible amount of respect for each other. And uh, to borrow a line, we are stronger together. Uh, but I, I will also say that, you know, when you, when you talk to folks, or when you listen to what some of uh, the candidates or, or, or members of Congress say, oh, well, wages are too high. We'll never be able to compete with those low wages uh, in in Mexico or China. Uh, it, so they're both kind of blaming the Mexican and Chinese workers, and also they're blaming the American workers uh, at at the same time, or they're specifically blaming labor unions. And the challenge with this is that is, is, is threefold. First, th- there's no basis in reality for any of that. If, if there are mechanisms that set wages in the United States, uh, business is a part of that as well. It's not all labor calling the shots. And so it's, it's a shared responsibility. Uh, second is that while it may be convenient to blame unions for a lot of our challenges, the, the truth is, like in manufacturing perspective, in manufacturing in particular, uh, the unionized workforce in manufacturing uh, makes up, only about uh, 10% of manufacturing. Right now, so you know, nine out of every ten folks working in, in manufacturing is not a member of a union, and and to say, well, the unions drove all the manufacturing overseas, it, it's it's simply even if you wanted it to be true, which it's not, uh, it's simply impossible uh, based on the amount of based on the amount of, of leverage they they have right now. Uh, I wish there were more uh, unionized manufacturing workers because when they work together with companies, they can get. A lot done, and I guess the last reason is that the you know people who say this just don't understand the cost structure of running a business. I mean, there are some businesses where labor costs dominate, but manufacturing is not one of them. Energy costs matter. Uh, your level of taxation, your cost of capital, all of that stuff matters uh, a lot more. Even your exchange rates matter. And, and wages are pretty easy to overcome from most types of manufacturing, especially when you have a skilled workforce. Uh, look, respect workers. Uh, it'll, it'll pay dividend for you. And when you invest in workers and believe in them, they'll get the job done.
0: Uh, definitely, no question. You wrote uh, another great piece in the uh, your uh, Alliance for American Manufacturing uh, website, a great blog, um, about the infrastructure investment. Now, you talk about that, look, Donald Trump agrees, Hillary Clinton uh, both agree this is an area that they agree on, that you've got to invest in our infrastructure. But you also write how their details are quite different. Can you break it down for us, Trump's idea of infrastructure investment and, and Clinton's?
1: Yeah yeah it's a it's a good question and and it won't surprise uh, your listeners to know that the Clinton plan is very detailed uh and and the Trump plan is not uh but beyond that uh you know Trump wants to spend, throw some money at, at at infrastructure uh and he talks about it and I'm look I'm gl- I'm glad he talks about it but but his plan uh is not particularly well well thought out uh there's no mechanism to pay for it which anybody who's been in this debate knows that that's that's been the rub lately. Is how, how do you uh, how do you offset the costs of, of, of doing something like this? Um, and uh, you know, look, I think Clinton's plan is 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 pretty creative. Um, uh, it would leverage some private capital uh, for for infrastructure as well, and something that's very near and dear to my heart is that uh is that there's a commitment to make sure that the materials uh, are are made in the United States uh and I think that's critically important that we're not outsourcing uh, our bridge projects or our trans uh transit projects uh, to China, uh, we we should make them here, um, and, and it's just another one of those cases where uh, you got to look past the rhetoric uh, and, and and look to the plan. Uh, and, and when you do that, you see that there's a uh, you know at, at least at the rhetorical level there's a there, there's an agreement that we ought to invest in infrastructure. But uh, I think that uh, at least from what I've seen so far, the Clinton plan gives you a roadmap to to, to get something done. Um, And uh, I I don't know that I don't know about the the Trump plan. Just the last thing I'd say about this, because I I know we don't have a a lot of time uh, in, in this segment, is that I think that, you know, when we're setting priorities, when the next president is setting priorities, I think infrastructure should be at the top of the list. We still have people who need jobs, who want jobs. We have a lot of roads. And bridges that need to be rebuilt. We need to expand our capacity. And a lot of these airports and shipping ports that we have uh, and, and an investment in infrastructure is something that you'll find uh, a lot of Republicans agree with, a lot of Democrats yep. agree with, in part because, look, there aren't red roads and blue roads. They're our roads. And if they're broken, it impacts everybody.
0: Absolutely. Uh, we got to uh, take a break. When we come back, I want to um, talk uh, more. Well, just very quickly, in a quick sentence, Scott, do you, are you surprised that Trump is so popular with workers based on the information you just gave regarding the infrastructure? Just a sentence.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think that the, the fact that he's, that he's popular uh, both does not surprise me and, and surprises me a little at the same time. I'd be happy to expand on that on the other side.
0: We're going to talk about the political sprint to the finish after this break with Scott Paul, president of the AAM. Right after this, and we're back. Thank you for holding. Welcome, welcome back. We are still talking to the great Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Follow him on Twitter at scott paul aam and the website AmericanManufacturing.org, org, where you can see read some great blogs. Um, Elizabeth. Brotherton Bunch wrote a piece entitled New Research Paper Studies Trade's Impact on Presidential Elections. Scott, let's talk about this. You and I have talked about trade numerous uh, times. Uh, trade, uh, specifically TPP, is a huge issue, especially it would seem even more so with Democrats or with workers who worry that this is a bad deal and this will result in more jobs overseas, and we definitely want the opposite.
1: Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's a huge deal. And, and you had asked me, you know, if it surprised me that Trump was popular workers. And I said yes and no, in part because, yeah, there, there's a lot of pain out there. I mean, you, you may not see it again if you're in the Wall Street economy, if you're in a major metropolitan area, you have a professional job uh you know you look at the stock market it's rebounded and so you know there's a segment of america that's doing very well uh but there uh, is is another segment uh that's really struggling uh, and has been for a while and uh you know it's it's not only uh white working class voters you know many of whom were in manufacturing you know it's it's also in communities of color uh as as well uh and you know trump has managed to kind of Get demagogue this this stuff into a frenzy, uh, but it, but at the core of it, look, there, there's a there's a real point about how uh, the the offshoring of manufacturing jobs, uh, uh, what it's done to our economy, what it's done to the social fabric of our country, uh, what it's done to our politics, uh, and in part because, and and I think this is a, a bipartisan uh, piece of neglect here because there hasn't been. That much attention focused on how to reintegrate uh, these people who have lost their jobs uh, back into our economy or how to fight for these jobs in the first place, Uh, the, the problem has really kind of boiled over. Uh, in, in, in this election, and so you know, a lot of people, you know, the, the pundits, the the, uh, the 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 folks who who live on the coast, still kind of scratch their heads sometimes. I know you don't, Leslie, because you talk to your listeners, and, and but they think, well, why, when things are going very well, do we have this this uprising? Uh, and uh, and it is a uh, you saw it in the Democratic primary. Uh, you know, you're seeing it played out now, um, uh, and so it is a. Uh, it's. It, 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 I think it's a huge concern uh, to a lot of voters, and it's impacted white rural areas. It, it's impacted uh, uh, inner cities, uh, and it, until there's a real plan uh, uh, and some policy changes to try to uh, restore some dignity to rebuild uh, these communities, uh, to, to restore the social factor, fat fabric, and also to fight for these manufacturing jobs, uh, th- that I think it'll continue to be uh, you know, a, a real drag on, on politics in the way that it will divide people rather than bring them together.
0: There's research out um, that even could provide insight, uh, as written in this piece, uh, on uh, the AAM website and in this blog um, that could offer insight into what even might happen in November at the ballot box and the role that trade and manufacturing will play. Can you talk a bit more about that?
1: Yeah, I sure can. So some very enterprising economists at uh, uh, MIT and some other institutions um, have looked at various dimensions of what they call the China shock, which is what happened to communities around the country when our factories went to China. Um, and they've been able to pinpoint specific industries they've been able to pinpoint specific geographic areas and and look some of this is not going to be a surprise like autos auto parts in the midwest uh furniture and textiles in the south uh some aerospace in uh in high tech in california those would be a couple of examples uh and so they've been able to document not only the economic consequences of all this which have been severe you know more than 2 million job losses directly attributable uh, to all, the, to, to what they call this China shock, but but they've also seen the ways in which it's, it's impacted our politics, uh, and they were able to go in, look at very heavily trade impacted areas of the country, uh, and see what happened uh, in the electoral cycle, and in those areas that were. Kind of majority white that tended to be a little more rural, tended to be a little more southern, but not always. Uh, a, a lot of times, what happened is the, uh, the the Democrat or the moderate Republican got 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 kicked out, got defeated, uh, and a and a conservative Tea Party Republican uh, got put in his or her place. Uh, And and when this happened in uh, more urban areas that were uh, minority, uh, majority districts, uh, the the districts got a lot more progressive. Um, And and some people might say, you know, look, this is a a good thing. Let's wear our, our feelings on our sleeves around politics. But what's ended up happening is... That, that the Congress has become more divided, it's gotten less done, the frustrations have, bit, have built up. So uh, this China shock has even contributed uh, in, a, in a small but meaningful way uh, to, to the political divisiveness this we say, and, and, and I'm not going to say that the, the, the correct route is kind of the middle of the road, blue dog Democrat route. Uh, but but it does. Uh, this question does lend itself to to, 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 to me to, to to ask also. You know, isn't there a better way? And if we ad- address these issues head on, like the need to have these good paying jobs, the need to deal with our trade policy, uh, would we have less divisiveness in our politics? And the answer is. Quite possibly so. It's just one of the reasons why the TPP, uh, even though Obama uh, and some of the Republican leadership uh, were united behind it, that there's so much opposition uh, to it uh, based, on, based on that framework. Uh, and it's, I think it's really unlikely uh, to move forward.
0: Uh, I, I agree with you there. Uh, when we look at the manufacturing, the issue of manufacturing, not just people that are in the manufacturing sector, but where manufacturing matters to voters, and it would seem even most out of the country, even though everybody definitely seems to have an opinion on uh, you know infrastructure, TPP at different levels, you know di- you know different uh, you know some people that's like the number one issue, some people's number four, but if you look, the swing states are, are really big, Ohio um, and. Also, that in North Carolina, where this really matters and manufacturing matters, um, the polls would show that uh, Trump's uh, tough trade messaging is not working in North Carolina, but it is in Ohio. Why is that?
1: You, you know, that, that, I'm glad you raised that. Um, and I think it has something to do with the uh, the, 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 the evolution of when this manufacturing job loss came for North Carolina it came a long time ago as those textile and furniture jobs moved off and so it's kind of been baked into the politics to the economy uh, and I think North Carolina voters uh, you know have lived this for so long when that when they hear someone come along uh, and talk about it and maybe not offer you know any meaningful solutions uh, they're gonna you know they're gonna they're gonna look at it and and say well you know he talks about it but but I know I've lived through this and I know, I know what it takes, or what it doesn't take, or which jobs are going to come back, which jobs are not going to come back, um, and and you know the North Carolina economy has evolved uh, a little as well. There's a, a major tech component of it, uh, in, in another part of the state. Not to say it's not an important issue, but I see. I think they see through a lot of what Trump has said because they've dealt with these politicians before. Ohio, uh, on the other hand, uh, I think has has witnessed. Um, a lot of job loss that they attribute to trade agreements that uh, that Trump has tried to link to Bill Clinton and then by proxy to Hillary Clinton. Um, and uh, and and you're right, Leslie. There 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 seem to be a lot of folks who are paying uh, attention to that. I mean, the the trade debate is so interesting in Ohio that you have you know Sherrod Brown, who's one of my heroes, who I've known for a long time, uh, who's been opposed to the TPP, who's worked on China. Uh, Then you have uh, Rob Portman, uh, who is uh, uh, the the Ohio Republican senator who's running for re-election, who has now adopted a lot of Sherrod Brown's positions. Uh, And he was uh, on the other side of the issue, say, five, ten years ago. Uh, So you can see what's happened in Ohio uh, as well. But This is where all the candidates were over the weekend, Pennsylvania, Ohio. It's going to be the industrial heartland where a lot of this uh, election is is fought out, and uh, hopefully these issues really do get a fair airing.
0: Um, Let me see, because of uh, time, let me just um, ask you uh, one more. Um, God, there's just uh, so much uh, to talk about. How, How about protections for workers? Like social security or, or 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 any kind of a safety net, um, some people say that conservatives they want more nationalistic policies and liberals seem to have more of a safety net to protect those workers, which you think would you know again you know make the polls higher for Clinton than it would for Trump at least in this regard.
1: Yeah, I, I think that you've raised a really good point is that there are uh, there's a real reluctance to deepen and strengthen that safety net for people who uh, lose their jobs, uh, you know, usually for, uh, for 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 no fault of their own. They've worked hard. They've uh, they, they've learned their sk- they've, they've learned their skills. They've put in their time. Uh, but but the factory may have got up and moved because of trade policy or other types of policies. Um and this is one of the reasons why I think there's more resistance in the United States now uh, to this idea of globalization than there may be in some other places or around the world where they, they, they might have this, uh, this safety net. Um, but I think, I think it's important, number one, to get the trade policy right, to make sure that we have a trade policy that's going to allow us to export more and to balance our imports so that we're not swamped with them. Number two, I think it's, it's 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 important to get what I would call the demand right, or the or, or the fiscal policy right, which is that we have to invest in our future, we have to invest in our infrastructure, and in our workers, and then number three, and this is what we're talking about now, you have to get the readjustment right. So then, if a worker does lose his or her job, that there is a path pathway to uh, reintegrating to our economy, uh, and you're not going uh, uh, to be kind of doomed or sentenced to a life where you have permanently lower wages and lowered expectations, uh, which has a ripple effect throughout the community. I think it's an incredibly important uh, issue that, that, that doesn't get as much uh, attention as it deserves.
0: We're going to take a quick break and back with Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, the AAM. Follow him on Twitter at Scott AAM. The website is AmericanManufacturing.org. One more segment after this break. <clears throat> Excuse me, losing my voice there. One more segment after this break. And when we come back, you can talk with Scott as well. Pick up the phone and join us because only one more segment with Scott. Um, I want to know, for those of you that really are against TPP, um, does that push you into the Trump category? And because it would seem that Clinton and her plans are not only more specific specific, but are, are more helpful to workers with regard to uh, infrastructure um, and job creation and wanting to do it in her first 100 days in office, why don't you think you see bigger numbers for Hillary in a state like like Ohio? Pick up the phone and join us, 888 6 eight 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 six five three seven five four three 888-653-7543 is the number. We'll talk about that jobs report when we come back with Scott Paul and you right after this. we're back president of the aam scott paul is our guest before we move on to talk specifically about that jobs report those numbers and what it means specifically for those in the areas of manufacturing our hard-working uh, middle class uh here in america let's take some calls scott you ready you bet let's, all right let's start it out with doug in seattle washington on line two listening on am 930 kbai doug good afternoon question or comment for scott paul and regarding this topic today
1: Uh, Thank you, Leslie, and thank you, Scott, for having this discussion. Um, I, I oppose the TPP, and the reason I oppose the TPP is because the environmental labor standards are not nearly strong enough. I just listened to a story about the Taiwanese fishing industry where migrant workers are beaten and killed at sea, and we get cheap fish that has human blood all over it. And the TPP and the enforcement... Uh, the, the history has been the enforcement of these things in terms of environment and labor is not nearly strong enough to stop things like this. Scott? I, I think Doug raises a good point. First of all, it, on itself, the imported uh, seafood in particular from Asia raises a question mark both uh, in terms of its Wholesomeness and the way in which it's it's uh, harvested and processed, the way the, the way that workers are treated. Um, that, that's where I definitely say, kind of by by North America, and, and, and there's a there's a lot of other food safety folks who would who would say the same thing. who don't have a beef about trade at all. Uh, on the TPP, um, look, I think I think this is uh, an important point is that. Uh, the, the promise of the Trans-Pacific Partnership is that it's a 21st century trade agreement, a, uh, a trade agreement with a, with a new model for a new economy. I think the reality when you get into it, and I just look at, the, at some of the, the economic studies that have been done, uh, it doesn't look great for manufacturing. Certainly uh, workers' rights, environmental rights are are a piece of it, Uh, government intervention in the economies uh, in some of the TPP countries, Uh, their monetary policies, all of this adds up uh, to to mean that the the gains for for manufacturing just aren't going to be there. In fact, every study that I have seen, both from the proponents of TPP as well as from the opponents of TPP, predicts that it will result in a loss of manufacturing jobs. And I don't understand why you'd want to pursue an agreement that would necessarily lose manufacturing jobs when you say it's going to strengthen, uh, strengthen America and our role. I don't, I don't think you can do that. Uh, and so that's why I think it's, uh, it's in big trouble. Uh, and uh, both candidates uh, oppose it. Uh, and it looks like uh, if, if the Obama administration wants to bring it up in the lame duck, it's going to have a hard time uh, finding the support to do that as well.
0: Doug, thank you for the call from Seattle uh, talking about TPP not having strong enough uh, labor and environmental protections. And to that point, in addition to the way the workers are treated, you got to, like, you know, think about Scott. This is why people get so upset about labeling or lack of. I saw a documentary where, like, seriously, three-quarters of the fish that were, quote, farm-raised from China had parasites. No, thank you. Uh, let's go to Charles in Albuquerque, Line 3, listening on KABQ Hi. Radio. Hey, Charles, good afternoon. Question or comment for Scott Paul, president of the AAM.
1: Yeah, I, just, uh, I just called to make a comment. Uh, basically, what I think Ohio is, is not really paying attention to the uh, manufacturing issues because I think there are one-issue voters up there, a lot of them, and their the issue is abortion. It's just that simple.
0: All right. Interesting uh, point. Scott, would you agree with that? I think manufacturing is very uh, top of mind for Ohio, uh, yet Trump seems to be doing well there in Ohio, but he's not doing like yeah. you know, u- hugely uh, double-digit leads uh, above Hillary Clinton. So uh, to our caller's uh, point, what do you say?
1: yeah but look if you're a voter in cleveland columbus or cincinnati or in those media markets you're going to see uh, a couple thousand ads about factories and trade between now and the general election so i, I don't uh it, it's going to be uh, if it isn't on the tops of their minds uh, it, it certainly will be uh uh compelled upon them through the through 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 advertising uh, as was the case four years ago but but ohio like a lot of states just like california is not a monolith uh the Central Valley is much different from Los Angeles, right? And right. Uh, just as Cleveland's a lot different than Southwest uh, Ohio, and it has always been a a swing state, a deeply uh, divided state. And so, uh, you know, one candidate or the other will eke out a wind, um, but a, a landslide in Ohio is about fifty-two percent because it's just it's always been that way. There's a lot of issues they're concerned or concerned about, but they they do have an outsized share of their economy and manufacturing. And I'm certain it's going to be a factor for Democrats and Republicans uh, when, when they go to the polls.
0: Let's talk about the jobs report. Definitely, you know, it's depending on, you know, who you're watching, what network or what column you're reading by, what person on what side, as to the way this report is perceived. There'll be economists that say, you know, look, it was better than expected or worse than expected. And, of course, there are people that, you know, forgive the cliche, look at it as half full or half empty, how do you, as president of the AAM, always looking out for manufacturing and the role manufacturing plays in this country in this election? How do you view this report? Was it favorable or is it still disappointing?
1: Well, Leslie, overall, I think it's you know important to point out that you know the economy, the private sector economy, has been gaining jobs uh, for a number of years now, and, and that's look that's a good thing. But you know, I look at manufacturing as well, and manufacturing had a bad month. These things vary from from month to month, but manufacturing lost 14,000 jobs uh, last month. And uh, manufacturing hasn't added a net job since November of 2014. So something's going on, and, 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 and some of it's beyond the president's control, beyond the Congress's control. Uh, some of it's just about the global economy. Uh, but, but we've been in kind of a, uh, kind of a slower recessionary state uh, in manufacturing, uh, particularly in, in the steel sector and other sectors like that, for a while. Um, and our leaders are talking about it, and, and it's getting talked about on the campaign trail. Uh, but, I th- but I think the, the workers uh, are, are desperate for action on this because again you're not just losing a manufacturing job it's not just a data point it's it's a human being it's a human being as we said at the top of the hour who uh, is making an outsized contribution to our economy and so uh, the loss of that job uh, is felt even more profoundly uh, than the losses of some other types uh, of jobs
0: we thank you for being with us and absolutely love having you on. As you know, Scott, um, you know, you know, you and I have become friends over the years and i always learned so much. We covered a lot of issues today. Thank you for educating us. Thank you for presenting the truth. And thank you for being the president of AAM and all that AAM does with regard to manufacturing. Follow him on Twitter, folks, at Scott Paul AAM.
1: This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs.
0: Welcome to Firehouse.
1: Tired of overpriced lunches that under deliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time, you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer. Prices may vary for delivery.